CDC is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On The Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community. And subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible, and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Gomal Minhas, founder of CoreSpace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness, and impact. Visit kaur.space to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. I'm delighted to have on our show today the wonderful Frances McRae, Assistant Deputy Minister, Small Business and Marketplace Services at Innovation Science and Economic Development Canada, I said. In this department, Frances and her team are committed to taking steps to ensure efficient and effective federal regulations. The sector collaborates with and has oversight responsibilities for the Business Development Bank of Canada. The sector also administers three of ICED's marketplace frameworks and regulation that include Corporations Canada, Measurement Canada, and the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy, all with a focus on small business competitiveness. Ms. McRae has worked in a variety of departments in the National Capital Region and Atlantic Region, including the Privy Council Office, Shared Services Canada, Global Affairs Canada, and Employment and Social Development Canada. She spent several years in mid-career outside government with the international public affairs firm Fleshman Hillard Canada. Welcome to the show, Francis. It's great to be here. We're so happy to have you. BDC has been such an integral part of this podcast and Thrive in general along with supporting Startup Canada over the years. So we so appreciate you being here. Great. So I'd love to know, 
What got you into this line of work? How did your passion start uh, and how did you end up coming into the bureaucracy? Well, a little bit by accident, to be honest. Um, I left university and went to work in a small firm, um, consulting firm where we did lots of different things. And what I found is that I was always attracted to the work that we did around public policy issues. And um, whether it was kind of consultations with Canadians on various files of importance to the government on um, industry-related issues, um, or, um, you know, we did some work around uh, um, conferences that, that were important for, you know, Indigenous people. So um, when I was asked to go and do a contract in government, I did, and ended up there uh, for about 10 years before I went out again. And now I've been back almost 10 years again. And uh, I really do feel that um, my heart is in public policy and kind of impact on Canadians and communities. And right now, part of your focus is on women entrepreneurs specifically. So what brought you to this file? What, what are you most inspired by about the work that you do? Well, the women entrepreneurship file is really um, very inspirational for all of us that work on it. Um, I would say the interesting thing about it is it attracted a lot of women. In fact, uh, my whole women entrepreneurship strategy team uh, is, I would say, 80% uh, women. Um, And the reason that I'm so interested in it is, you know, in a couple of reasons. One is I think it's really going to make a big difference. Um, you know, we have, uh, we have a lot of information that tells us women in business don't have the same kinds of advantages and that they do face particular barriers in growing their businesses, whether that's, you know, cultural barriers around how they're viewed, um, in the business world, um, or other responsibilities that women, um, have, Sometimes like, you know, child rearing um, or, you know, aging parents that um, women tend to take on a lot of. And so to me, um, giving women in business an opportunity to pursue their passion and to support them in that, um, I think has a lot bigger impact than just those individual women. It's actually their children, their communities. Um and all of us, in fact, uh, in Canada, uh, have a lot to gain from uh, women's economic empowerment. And I see women in business as being a, a big part of that. Um, I personally come from a family with a lot of women. <laughs> um, uh, some of them are in business, in fact. And, um, uh, you know, I see the, um, the impact on independence, women's independence that that we have when we have an ability to rely on ourselves for our economic future. And uh, so I'm, I'm really proud of being part of that team. You shared with me earlier a personal story about your, your own household. Would you be willing to share that with our audience as well? Sure. Um, so uh, my, um, I mentioned I'm from a, 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 a family with a lot of women um, in my own family, my, my mom unexpectedly lost her husband, my dad, to cancer when I was pretty young. I was about 10 years old and my mom had five kids left at home and, and 
you know, that was tough for her. Um, but luckily she was trained as a nurse and, um, she was able to go back to nursing full time and, and support her family um, with, with the help of my older siblings, actually. Um, but she was really able to support us and uh, give us a very secure uh, home life because she was independent. She had the ability to go and take care of herself and take care of her family. And so you know, she was always very um, adamant that, you know, her daughters would have economic independence and be able to um, take care of themselves and uh, not rely on anyone else for um, for their future and for the future of their, their kids. So uh, that was something that really made a big impression on me and all my sisters. and. Um, yeah, so it's particularly um, inspiring for me to be part of it. Absolutely. I feel like that hits close to home for so many of us, just the role of women in leadership, whether it's at home, um, in the workforce specifically, and even in the public sector. As an ADM, I'm sure that you notice that the higher you get, ranks may look different um, in the government. And so within your role as an ADM, uh, a female ADM, you're helping others see the way as well. Um, so Thanks for that, yeah. <laughs> helping inspire yeah. those who can come up and, and grow in the ranks as well. Absolutely. And I mean, I had great women role models um, in my career. And you're right, it's important to see yourself. Um, and, you know, I think something that Victoria Lennox says a lot, the, the, the um, model that I have of Startup Canada, which is you can't be what you can't see. And I think that is really, really important in all walks of life for, for women, for sure. So to the women's uh, economic strategy, uh, women's entrepreneurship strategy that the government currently has in place, can you tell us a little bit about what that is for our listeners uh, who might not know? Sure. I'm happy to do that. So um, the women's entrepreneurship strategy really came out of uh, the federal budget in 2018. Um, and it's essentially a $2 billion kind of investment, a whole of government plan to help women grow their businesses. And there are kind of four areas that we focus on. One is um, financing uh, talent networks and then expertise. So those areas are, are areas where the strategy is trying to focus um, the investments. Um, the idea is we want to deal with some of the challenges we know that women entrepreneurs face as they go through their business development. And the first one is helping them grow, um, helping women own businesses grow. And so we're investing in things like mentoring, skills development, networking, um, federal procurement and exporting. So those are all areas where we think um, there's a lot of potential for women-owned businesses to grow. The second area is increasing access to capital. Um, we, we know that this is uh, an, an important area. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we know that women can sometimes feel that uh, they face barriers in, uh, in getting access to financing 
for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, they are viewed differently by financiers, they, uh, they sometimes in fact, um, uh, don't even ask for money. They tend to do it themselves, borrow from friends and family. Um, and so this is an area we really wanted to make sure that, uh, there was just more access to capital, um, for, for women businesses to grow. The other area is really improving access to the different kinds of business innovation uh, programming and services that we have in the federal government. We know that women entrepreneurs, like a lot of entrepreneurs actually, and a lot of small businesses, don't have a lot of time to look for information about what's available to them. And so the idea is that we want to make sure that um, we are uh, looking at how we can get the word out better, how we can work with partners across the country to be able to, uh, uh, to use their networks to get information out to more uh, women in business. So improving access to that programming and financing is, or that programming and services is really important. And then the last thing, and it's, it's not uh, a small thing. It's actually something that sort of seems obvious, but we really uh, need better data and, and we need to be able to share that data and share knowledge. Um, and so we've actually created uh, an independent women entrepreneurship knowledge hub. And that, that's designed to gather and then disseminate and distribute information uh, and data and best practices for women entrepreneurs. So uh, that's a part of the strategy as well. And um, we think that it's really fundamental to continuing to improve um, our thinking and our evidence around what we need to do next. Fantastic. And in terms of the Knowledge Hub, which is a resource, I think, as a woman entrepreneur, I am very excited about. Um, what is, what, when can, where can we access that? When, when does that become available to us? We've actually announced um, the, uh, so we did an open call for proposals around um, the Knowledge Hub and, and we got um, uh, really good um, um, ideas in for, for uh, how that Knowledge Hub could be constructed. And in fact, um, it was just announced uh, a few months ago that uh, Ryerson is leading the consortium. It's a big consortium of different um, uh, research organizations that are going to work with Ryerson to pull this together. So it will be a little bit of time before we see the outcome of it, um, but they're working hard at it already and they're already being engaged with partners. It's fantastic. And what about other wins in, for the women entrepreneurship strategy? What are some of the programs or outcomes that you guys are really proud of um, that Canadians do have access to or will have access to? Well, I would say there's a, a probably one aspect that I think is 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 uh, worth noting um, uh, in that regard, and 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 I want to specifically focus on the women ecosystem. So it's women entrepreneurship ecosystem. And this is a, a, a part of the strategy um, that I talked about earlier, the, the $2 billion investment that, that is designed to have the community identify what it is that they need. 
and tell us what they think they need to strengthen their local ecosystem supports. Because one of the things we know is that um, women entrepreneurs are not all the same. There's a lot of diversity in that group. If you're a woman entrepreneur in Toronto, you're in a very different situation from a woman entrepreneur in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, uh, or for that matter, in Iqaluit. And so what we purposely did is designed the ecosystem um, program such that the community and people in that community would identify what it is they need. So rather than taking a one size fits all, we will, you know, design a program that funds X. Uh, We decided to make it quite broad and say, you tell us what you need to strengthen your ecosystem. And that means you may be starting at a very different place from maybe in another part of the country. Um, We know those supports are out there, but we also know they need, they need um, more investment and they need um, some help to be able to make that more of a difference for more of the women um, entrepreneurs in, in those areas. So that's one thing that I think is probably the most um, interesting about this, this program design. Um, so the ecosystem fund, um, like the, there's another part of it, which is really designed for women led and women owned businesses to apply directly for, um, for some, uh, some financing. Um, the ecosystem fund and, and has, um, we put out a, a request for, um, applications and we got many, many, many more, um, very good applications than we could possibly, um, have, uh, funding for at the moment, um, in terms of, uh, the, the, the funds available and, um, uh, those, uh, decisions in terms of which, uh, projects will get, um, funding are still pending in there. Uh, they'll be with, uh, our ministers to make, but, um, but I'm really confident that, you know, we've, uh, we've really, um, been able to attract a, a tremendous diversity of projects and ideas, um, that, uh, that will make a difference in the locations where they are. And so that, that to me is probably the, 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 the part of the pro- program that I'm, um, I think will really um, touch women directly where they live. Mm-hmm. And that other part of the fund there, the, the women's entrepreneurship fund, um, you shared with me some statistics about the applications. Mm. It was on fire. How many mm. people ended up applying and how big is the fund? We had, uh, so the fund is, this, the, this element of the fund was $20 million at total. Um, and the number of applications we received was tremendous. We had over 3,000 applications. That's remarkable. I wouldn't be surprised if some of our listeners are those who applied. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that's the hard part is, you know, you you just know that there's just so much need out there. And that's that was the other gratifying thing I would say. Um, you know, yes, you know, there's a limited amount of funding available, uh, you know, for these programs at the moment. And, and, you know, 
I think um, what really struck us was just with the with the demand that we saw, clearly there is such a need out there. So that again just validated the investment over again for us. Um, you know, um, women were allowed to apply for up to one hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, just even a rough estimate, if you take three thousand applications and say everybody, you know, thought that perhaps up to a hundred thousand is what they would need, uh, you know, that that's three hundred million dollars <laughs> um, for twenty million dollar uh, of available funds. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, to us, it just was such a validation of the need out there, and and um, you know, clearly, uh, I think there's there's uh a lot of evidence there that that um that this is going to make a difference and i think that people are very excited to see the outcomes from that when we do find out who who the recipients will be um i myself almost applied but i like many other entrepreneurs was one of those time strapped folks who looked at the application 2 days before it was due and said I don't think I, I got time for this, but what advice do you give for people who do look at government infrastructure or grants and programs and just get intimidated by the process? Mm-hmm. Because I think that that's a lot of my friends and colleagues who are SME female led business owners um, who look at it and say, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. What advice do you have for them? Well, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, the way these programs are designed, uh, you know, and the way the kind of, um, uh, I would say paperwork or, you know, in this case, sort of online work that's required. Uh, we certainly try to keep it to a minimum. Um, at the same time, you know, you have to have enough information to assess, um, particularly in the kind of competitive, um, the competitive environment that it was uh, where you were kind of assessing them all together uh, against the same criteria. Um, I would say, uh, you know, we did, we answered a lot of questions for people as well. You know, we got a lot of questions. People, you know, asked us to help them uh, walk through it. I think uh, the advice I would have is, um, you know, I do point people to uh, Innovation Canada, which is innovation.canada.ca, which always has, if you put in kind of a few of your key characteristics, it will be able to tell you what it is, that's a, what, what programs and services are available and most suitable for you. I think the key thing is getting, you know, getting the um, information at the right time, as you say, if you're looking at it a day before, it's pretty difficult to be able to, to sort through it. Um, uh, and, you know, I think from our perspective, you know, we take on board any comments that people have about how complicated it is, or if something doesn't make sense. Um, uh, you know, we're not, it was the first time we launched that particular program. And so, uh, I would say that, you know, we're, we do get, and we have received, and we're listening to the comments that people have made about, uh, about how difficult it is. And I think that's another part of my organization's mandate is to try to, um, you know, sensitize, uh, those in government who have programs and services to the burden that we put on, on, on small businesses. 
um, in, in getting to that, uh, getting into the applications and even just getting the basic information. So uh, ideally, we would not have uh, applications having to be written by somebody that you're having to hire. Hire, yeah. But I will say when I saw the application, I wasn't overly intimidated. My, my obstacle was just time. But what yeah. you shared about getting your feet wet, knowing that you can ask questions, that innovation.canada.ca is a great resource to go to to find out what might be in your wheelhouse um, is really important. Now, something that uh, fascinates me because I'm learning more about it is Canadian uh, female-led businesses um, and export. So what initiatives um, are you and your department putting forward to help enable more Canadian female-led companies to be exported into the world? Oh, I'm really glad you asked that question because export is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, a really important part of how companies grow. Um, we live in a small economy, Canada. Um, typically, you know, if you do want to grow um, and get bigger and we do want more companies to get bigger, we do want them to get into exporting. So I'll start maybe with a couple of, uh, of facts around export. Um, so only about 11% of women-owned businesses in Canada now are exporters compared to 12.2% of male-owned businesses. So we're, we're underrepresented in, in terms of uh, exporting. Um, so we know that, um, uh, you know, there is a lot of potential in this field. And actually for quite some time, uh, the Department of Global Affairs Canada has had a program under the Trade Commissioner Service called Business Women in Trade. And they actually do specific trade missions um, that uh, are for women and that are designed uh, uh, for uh, um, supporting women who want to go into a particular market who have a product that they think will work well in that market. The trade commissioner service sort of supports them in getting prepared for those trade missions. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, refining their marketing plans, um, uh, you know, being able to uh, get into a discussion on partnership with a company, uh, uh, with a client, knowing that you can deliver. So you actually have the scale to get, to the uh, outcome you want in terms of uh, additional clients. Um, and the Business Women in Trade program did receive uh, funds under the um, Women Entrepreneurship Strategy to expand and add to their work. So they actually have been doing quite a lot of amazing work and they'll continue to do more. Um, and I do really recommend that uh, people interested in exporting uh, look at the Business Women in Trade program at Global Affairs Canada um, to be able to uh, to um, kind of understand how they can get the support. Another area that um, I know the government is prioritizing is uh, women uh, government procurement from women-led businesses. So for listeners who are interested in, first of all, for those, for those of our listeners who don't know the fancy word of procurement, um, are you able to share what procurement is and, and what, what uh, is happening in that space in terms of government procurement from women? Um, 
I, I can tell you a little bit about procurement um, and um, my colleagues in another department called Public Services and Procurement Canada are really focused on this. Um, the idea is that we want to be able to uh, increase uh, the number of uh, women uh, who are able to um, use uh uh, to have government as a client, essentially. Um, and so there's some great um, research that uh, that our colleagues at Public Services and Procurement Canada have been working on around, you know, how many women uh, currently are in procurement with government. Um, and I think um, what we what we see is that, in fact, a lot of women entrepreneurs don't necessarily see government as a client. Uh, and, and we don't know why we think that the, it may be because a lot of women tend to be in sectors that are less, you know, are perceived to be less needed by government. So for example, service areas, rather than some of the big things that governments procure, like, you know, military or, you know, construction, um, the, there just aren't as many women in those fields, women entrepreneurs in those fields. So I think there's partly a sectoral um, challenge. Um, uh, and I think uh, the other thing that we see is, um, uh, you know, it, it's sort of related to the question of, of scale. And that is um, sometimes women uh uh, we, we, a lot, a lot of women entrepreneurs are in kind of fairly small businesses. So, you know, like what we would call sometimes micro businesses. So, well, like under 10, 10 people sometimes. And so they tend to, because they tend to be smaller, they tend to have less ability to compete for, uh, for, uh, the kinds of projects that government is looking for, um, just because sometimes you're looking for lots of, you know, volume. Um, and so, uh, so that is a factor for sure. It's, it's either the type of sectors or the types of projects that tend to be much more complicated and perhaps larger procurements. Um, and I guess the third thing I would say on the procurement side is, um, uh, you know, back to the point you made earlier, it's complicated. Uh, procurement uh, is is actually quite time uh, intensive in terms of uh, application. So I think that's another thing that discourages both women entrepreneurs, but I think other small businesses from uh, from participating. And uh, I think we are making special efforts to make sure that when we have our women ecosystem uh, recipients, that they they use their networks to make sure that women entrepreneurs are aware of the potential for government as a client um, and uh, that they at least are exposed to the information about what the opportunities are. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And I, what I hear there too is as women-led businesses scale, um, they can look to government as a future potential client the bigger that they get so that they can hit that volume, get those larger potential contracts, but not see it as as a black hole or an abyss, it, it is a potential client for you, but as you scale your business. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering what other programs would you like to share with our audience that I said is, it has for women led businesses um, specifically? 
Um, well, I guess there's a couple that I would want to mention. Um, one is the Business Development Bank of Canada. Uh, the Business Development Bank of Canada is a crown corporation. Um, it uh, it is part of our portfolio um, uh, in, in in my department, and it um, it's actually done a lot of work around women in business. Um, they uh, at BDC have set a new target of $1.4 billion uh, over three years that they want to allocate in debt financing for women entrepreneurs. Um, and this is their own target. They've decided to, to set that, and that is actually a big uh, part of the envelope of the, of the overall $2 billion. Um, they've increased their women in technology venture fund. So they had they had uh, a fund uh, had set a target of seventy million earlier, and then they increased it to two hundred million. So again, over the, for the next five years. So that's again making kind of pools of capital available, and then going out and making sure that they're they're getting uh, women uh, uh, technology um, firms into these into these uh, programs. Um, I guess the other thing I would say is um, we've done, we've built in women in business and a number of other programs. I'll give one example the Venture Capital Catalyst Initiative. We have uh, put 400 million towards uh, the Venture Capital Catalyst Initiative uh, over the last few years, starting in budget 2017. And in the last round that we did uh, of kind of applications, we've we actually asked all the applicants to have a gender strategy. Um, and they all had to uh, show what they would do to improve the gender balance among Canadian venture fund capital, venture capital fund managers um, and technology-based companies. Uh, and they all had to address it in their, in their proposals. And so for us, it's really not just having separate programs for women entrepreneurs, but actually building in and baking in that concept to some of the bigger programs, other programs that we have. So that's been a, a, a big piece of, uh, of, of our work under, under venture capital as well. That's huge because we, as we know, venture capital dollars disproportionately go to men. Venture capital funds are disproportionately run by men. VC dollars, the way they're dispersed, it is very gendered and it is, there is subconscious bias in there. So um, I applaud that initiative in, in ensuring that gender strategy is part of the applicant's profile mm -hmm. um, to that it's 200 million uh, that they have access to. That's, that's fantastic. Um, so as we wrap up this conversation, there is a question that I have um, for all of our guests who come in. Uh, and that one is, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs in this country across Canada so that they can thrive in their business and in life? Wow, that's a big question. I love big <laughs> questions. <laughs> um, so I, I would just say, um, I guess a, a couple of things. One is... Um, we know that a lot of entrepreneurs feel really alone and they feel that um, they, they are kind of on their own uh, and that it's up to them by themselves. And I think to a large extent, 
that is true. You're looking yourself in the mirror and saying, I, you know, I'm the, I'm going to determine whether I succeed or don't. But there are a lot of supports out there. And while I know it's difficult to always, you know, have the time to be looking for those supports, um, uh, I think the best advice I can, I can give is try to keep going back to innovation.canada.ca. Um, it is, it is really a one-stop portal that connects you, not just to federal programs and services. So they're not just my own department, but they're actually across the federal government, but they also connect to provincial and territorial supports. And so I would say, uh, if you go to that portal and you answer a few quick questions about what you're looking for and a little bit about what your company is all about, um, it will tell you what types of programs and services you might want to look at. And it ranks them on the basis of what it is that's going to be most useful to you. So I would say that that is probably the top advice that I could give. And the second piece of advice is there are supports in your community. Um, there are people who are there to help. We know this, and that's part of why we designed the Women Entrepreneurship uh, Strategy partly around the ecosystem and strengthening that local ecosystem because we know that not everybody has the same environment. Not everybody has the same supports in their area. Not everybody has the same challenges. And so there are organizations out there to help you, whether it's the Business Development Bank of Canada that has offices all across the country or our regional development agencies, which are there to help people on the ground or organizations like Startup Canada. Um, there are supports. And so do look around for where you can get help in your own ecosystem. Fantastic. And uh, I know I said that was the last question, but I tend to do this. I get inspired with one more. What makes you hopeful and excited for the future for women entrepreneurs in this country? Well, look, um, I have met so many inspiring women through this process. And I, in my job every day, I just get to meet so many amazing people. And, you know, you've had them on your podcasts. Um, so you see that too. There's an energy and I think, uh, uh, an, an attitude that I see of people just getting it done. And I sort of feel like there's no going back. Um, I think that whatever happens with these investments, there were investments before, there are these investments, there will be other investments by lots of organizations, lots of institutions. Um, this is just something that has taken on uh, a real, I think, energy and momentum. And I think partly I, I kind of like to think about it um, in, in the bigger perspective of women's economic empowerment, like we talked about earlier. Um, you know, 
governments and institutions are realizing that women in business are really important part of Canada's economy. Um, it's a really important part of our communities um, to have women, uh, you know, whether it's in the workforce, whether it's having their own business, um, you know, developing their own um, future. And, and securing their families and their communities' futures. So I really feel like um, that's the part of it that uh, is probably the most exciting about the future is that I don't, I don't see women's economic empowerment going away. And I think I'm really happy that we're able to be a small part of that. But really, women are just doing amazing things. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us here today, Francis. I so appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit CoreSpace, K-A-U-R dot space to learn to better integrate work, wellness and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive. <laughs>